Thank you for listening to In Good Faith, the Central Reformed Church Sermon Podcast. This episode's sermon is titled, The Good Life, Grounded in Community, and is based on Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. It was delivered on Sunday, July 31st, 2022, by Pastor Stephen D. Pierce. Our second lesson is taken from Romans chapter 12, and we're in verses 1 through 13. This is page 922 in your pew Bibles. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter and exhortation, the giver and generosity, the leader and diligence, the compassionate and cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thanks for singing with me. I know it's a little different, but I really appreciate it. And I want to say, beginning at this sermon, we've been in the Good Life series, and we end it this morning, five weeks in July, spending the month unpacking what it means to live the good life. Now, undoubtedly, you've seen the signs, the bumper stickers, the hats, the t-shirts that say life is good. Some of you in your homes have LG TVs, L and G for life's good. Uh, Everywhere we look, it seems there's some message about finding the good life and living it. Here's what Socrates said long ago. He said that the good life is the life of an an inquiring, ever-expanding mind. Later, uh, others would say that the good life is really the life lived with purpose. But if you were to ask anyone on College Avenue and Fulton Street, What's the good life? You're probably going to hear something like this. Well, the good life is to assume nothing, to do more, 
smile often, dream big, laugh a lot, and just be blessed with how much you really have. People would tell you that's, that's the good life. And you know what? There are components of the good life in what they're saying. For Christians, the good life goes a step further in, in that the good life is rooted and established in a relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. And it's lived within the bounds of divine goodness and in the company of loved ones. The good life is what Leonard Sweet calls the God life. It's the life that does justice, that loves kindness, that walks humbly with God. It's the generous life. It's the life that shows empathy. It's the life that's learned how to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. And today we wrap it all up with a bow talking about the good life that's grounded in community. I can't think of a better way. And that's why I'm so glad we were able to sing that song together. What are some of your best community experiences? Maybe it was living with the guys in the university. Uh, Maybe it's the hunt club up north. Maybe it's belonging to a golf league or a bowling league. Who knows? Where, Where are you when you think about community and who is in the room with you? As human beings... We need a sense of belonging. We need to know that we're a part of something special. And that belonging is what connects us to the many relationships that we have, that we develop. And having a sense of community is what unites us and helps us feel as though we're a part of something far bigger than ourselves. Now what's always fascinating about America is that we are generally a religious people. In fact, a recent Gallup survey conducted nationwide revealed that more than 90% of Americans believe in God and that 84% of them believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and that two-thirds of us describe our religious faith as a personal commitment. And yet that same survey also showed a gigantic gap in the American understanding of Christianity. Only half of the American people thought it's important to belong to a church. Half of that number. 75% said it's possible to be a good Christian without even going to church. In other words, most Christians think that in religion, we can separate believing from belonging. That that's possible. This means this, there's a huge misunderstanding among the unchurched. And I don't say unchurched as a bad word. Unchurched is just a word we use to say there are Christians out there who don't have a, a church home. They don't have a, a, a spiritual base. So there's a huge misunderstanding among Christians, unchurched, regarding the Christian faith as it's presented in Scripture and as it's meant to be lived out. And I'll try to unpack that a little bit in this short sermon. Our culture values the self 
above all else. And in America, we know it's becoming increasingly more secular. I hear it all the time when I make pastoral visits. What's wrong with our country? Can you believe the shenanigans that are going on? Won't the White House fix this or that? Can you believe what people are doing on the streets? And why aren't people going to church? Why are the pews empty? What is happening to our nation? I hear it all the time. And in this new age, religion is in retreat from the public square on the whole. And traditional institutions like the central reforms and many others are no longer functioning with the cultural authority they once held in the community. It should not surprise us, any of us, that American religion is largely a matter of God and me thinking. We live in a society which worships at the shrine of rugged individualism. So one, one pastor puts it like this. Well, think about it. We take lone rangers and make them heroes from John Wayne in the Old West to the top gunfighter pilots of today. We glorify self-interest as the moral engine that drives our economy. It produces wealth for some people but also sacrifices community values. He goes on, we are given messages in hundreds of different ways. Do your own thing. Look out for number one. I've got mine. You've got yours to get. Take care of yourself because no one else will do it for you. And if you're not convinced yet, all we have to do is go back to 1984, the cover of Fortune magazine, the well-known business publication, which captures the essence of this thinking perfectly. On that cover is this precious, beautiful baby boy, chubby cheeks, so sweet, delicious. He could just stare into those eyes all day. Precious, precious child. And above this baby boy is the caption, we're all created equal. After that baby, you're on your own. There it is. That's it. That is the American spirit in so many different ways. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. We're created for so much more. And we're created for life together. So beginning this fall, the the central staff will be reading Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together. And it's a brief but rich treatise on Christian community. Bonhoeffer, who was killed in a concentration camp 77 years ago, offers practical suggestions for how we live in Christian community with others. He argues that Christians need both individual and communal spiritual growth. You cannot have one without the other. It's why life together is about serving. It's also about being thankful for the community that we have. Sadly, I think far too many of us take the church for granted. Um, We are tempted to speak of the church with pessimism and with disgust and with dissatisfaction. Um, Even more younger generations, they get fed up really with the church's hypocrisy, uh, being too judgmental, legalistic. And that's, that's all well and good. And it's true. Some churches 
take it way too far. And shame on them. And shame on us if we've participated in this at the expense of excluding others. And while we may have legitimate critiques, and many of us do, Bonhoeffer would remind all of us that despite its warts and imperfections, Christian community is a beautiful gift of God's grace. It should be a joy and a cause for celebration. So when we think about central, and we think about our spiritual home, it is definitely more than this building, right? It's more than this campus. It's more than our heritage. It's more than being the oldest Reformed church in the state of Michigan. It's so much more than all of those things. Central, as an imperfect church, is a community of love. It is a community where we walk together, we support one another, we love one another, and we are constantly urging one another on in our discipleship with Christ. At least that's what I'm committed to. And I know the elders are committed to this. And we know things need to change if we are to develop as a community of love and grow and to attract and retain others who are looking for a home to grow and flourish for their families, for themselves, we each have a responsibility to help make that happen by supporting the leadership of the church and by encouraging one another um, with our walk with, with God. And that brings us to Romans. Such a beautiful book in the New Testament. It, this is the Apostle Paul's theology on full display for everyone to see what does he really think and what does he really believe about the church and how we grow in Christ. If you look at the 11th chapter at the end, he ends it with a hymn describing God's uh, vast ownership of the universe. And then he begins the 12th chapter with really asking a critical question that's Implicit, since God owed us nothing and has given us great mercy, how should we respond? How should we live as brothers and sisters in Christ? And he answers in 13 short verses with a life of self-sacrificing worship lived in community, serving the Lord and others, refusing to take revenge and overcoming evil with good. It's right here. This, that this is God's intended lifestyle for those in Christ. This, this is the good life. The life that's lived with meaning and purpose. That's fulfilling and, and, and full of joy. And he will tell us here in the 12th chapter that this all requires transformation. We break free from rather than conforming to the self-centered way the world so admires. Our minds must be renewed to look at the world through the eyes of faith, to understand what God wants instead of focusing on what we always want. When's the last time you said in prayer, God, not my will, but yours be done. 
You see, when we're baptized, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. And that's, that all takes place in community. It happens in the Reformed faith. It should in Christian community. I'm always baffled when I hear of pastors doing uh, private baptisms. I know there are extreme circumstances. But on the whole, when we baptize infants and adults, we are doing it as the church together. And we are all taking on the promises of God to grow together. And when we are taught the stories of our faith as children, we are doing that in the community of children in worship, just down the hallway, or in Sunday school. And when we're married, the traditional language for the wedding ceremony usually says something like this, that we're married in the sight of God and in the presence of this company, this company, the community of the church. And then the days and the months and the years as they go on, we try to keep the great commandment, the commandment to love God and love one another, remembering that this commandment can only be done in community. And when we die, and we will die, each and every one of us will take our last breath. The community gathers around once again to pay Last respects to comfort the bereaved, to testify together as a community that death does not get the last word. It cannot. Think of how much is done in community. Christian life. Life together. From cradle to grave. We're never alone. We shouldn't be. And everyone needs a home, a place to belong. A place they can say, that's my home. For us, the good life is the life of fellowship of people together in Christ who live together with God. There's a pastor uh, many, many years ago who visited a parishioner who hadn't been attending worship in a long time. And um, so he went to the house to pay a visit and there they were talking right in front of the fireplace. The pastor said, we really want you back. We need you. We miss you. It's just not the same without you, and we hope that you'll reconsider. And they're standing there, and the man said, you know, pastor, I have faith. I believe in God. I just, I just don't believe I need church. So the pastor knelt down. He took one of those iron pokers, and he moved one of the embers away from this roaring fire and there he slid it over and the two watched that ember and they watched it and it burned it burned brightly for a while but over time it started to fade and then eventually it just grew dim and it went out altogether and the pastor didn't say anything the ember was gone but the fire just kept on burning brightly and the man understood the pastor's point, even though he didn't have to use words. The religion of God and me is never enough. It's never enough. It's popular, but it is definitely not the church, the body of Christ that Jesus had in mind when he sent out the disciples to fulfill the Great Commission. And it is certainly not the church he had in mind when he prayed for unity, unity of those who will follow him. It is not the church the Apostle Paul had in mind either. Christianity 
has and will always be a religion of God and we. Us. Together. And that's the good life, the God life. The good life in Christ says, you know what? We actually need each other in order to build a life of meaning and connectivity. We need each other to feel a sense of belonging. And belonging is all about knowing that we fit in and that we found a place that reflects who we are and how we're going to be able to grow and flourish together. The good life says, not God and me. God and we. Because we belong to something, to someone so much bigger than ourselves. Let's pray. Our gracious God, thank you for the gift of this beautiful day to worship you in spirit and in truth and for the words that we have just heard. We ask this morning that they will, through your grace, be so grafted within our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruits of the Spirit, that together we will live in community, serving you and each other to the honor and praise of your most glorious name, through Jesus Christ our Lord and all God's people say, Amen. New to Central? Since 1840, we have been connecting people to God and to one another through scripture, sacrament, song, and service. We are located on the corner of College Avenue and Fulton Street in the Heritage Hill neighborhood of Grand Rapids. We hope you'll give us the opportunity to meet you in person soon. To learn more about our mission, ministries, and the ways you can grow and serve, please visit our website at www.centralreformedchurch.org.